0: Our second scripture comes from Leviticus, chapter 23, verses 33 and 34, 39 through 43. God spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the Israelites, saying, On the fifteenth day of this seventh month, and lasting seven days, there shall be the festival of booths to God. On the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the produce of the land, you shall keep the festival of God lasting seven days, a complete rest on the first day and a complete rest on the eighth day. On the first day, you shall take the fruit of majestic trees, branches of palm trees, boughs of leafy trees and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before your sovereign God for seven days. You shall keep it as a festival to God, lasting seven days in the year. You shall keep it in the seventh month as a statute forever throughout your generations. You shall live in booths, temporary shelters, for seven days. All who are native-born in Israel shall live in booths so that your generation may know that I made the Israelites live in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am your sovereign God. We celebrate the written word of scripture.
1: Thanks be to God.
0: We celebrate the living word, Christ among us.
1: Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Loving God, you are good. And we give you thanks, your steadfast love endures forever. Bring us now into the circle of grace and gratitude. Open us to your word that it might come to dwell in our hearts, full of grace and truth, that we might embody your word for the world you love so very much. Amen. Celebrating Thanksgiving and giving thanks are practices that reach way back into the foundational stories of our tradition. Now, now, by tradition, I'm not talking this morning about American Thanksgiving traditions. I'm not talking about that particularly American myth of pilgrims and indigenous people. That's a myth we should leave behind. It doesn't honestly represent the history of colonization of white colonial people and indigenous peoples. It's a smile on the face, all manner of atrocity and wrong no i'm talking about the traditions of our scriptures and particularly the traditions we find in our hebrew scriptures in this morning's scriptures we find ancient still living traditions of thanksgiving celebration a day set aside to give thanks every year and in the psalm we read together we find a regular practice of giving thanks Every week, every day, all the time, give thanks to God for God is good, God's steadfast love endures forever. In the Leviticus text this morning, we find God's command to celebrate Thanksgiving. That's right, it is a command. We think of Leviticus as being an ancient tribal rule book do this, don't do that, and there is that. But at its heart, Leviticus is about living in healthy relationship with each other and with God. It's about what is sacred, what ought to be set apart so that humans can learn what it is to live life with God. And so Leviticus offers us its tribal rules, do this, don't do that, and in the midst of all that, God commands three holidays, three feasts, three festivals, every year do this, every year set apart some time, make some time holy, to feast and to give thanks. There are three of these feasts. There's Passover. Every year without fail, remember and celebrate how God brought us up out of slavery and into freedom. Our psalm this morning, together we told that story. Then there's the feast of the first fruits. That's got a lot of alliteration in there. The feast of weeks. It's celebrated in late spring as the first of the crops come in. It lines up with what we call Pentecost. And then in this morning's text, there is the Feast of the Booths, B-O-O-T-H-S, temporary structures, huts. Or it, the feast is also called Sukkot. That's the Hebrew word for booths. It's also called the Feast of the Ingathering. Sukkot is the, he, the Hebrew harvest festival. When the crops are in, after all the work is done, God gives an explicit command to enjoy, rejoice, and give thanks. The central tradition of the festival of Sukkot to this day is for each family to build a booth. Nowadays, some folks, some Jewish families would build the booth in their backyard. It's usually a three-sided structure uh, with branches for a roof, branches gathered for the harvest. The front is usually open as a sign of welcome for all who would come. It's a reminder both of the huts that they might have lived in in the fields as they harvested and also a reminder of the tents their ancestors inhabited in their 40 years of wilderness wandering. You remember. God led the people out of slavery in Egypt into the broad expanse of wilderness where they struggled and lived for 40 years. As they sojourned together, they lived in tents in the desert, a hard life. And God provided manna in the morning, water from the rock. God accompanied them and sustained them everywhere all the time for 40 years in the desert. And so each year when the harvest is in, set aside some time, rest, feast, remember, and give thanks. Now giving thanks at harvest, that's not unique to the Hebrew people. Cultures around the world and across the generations have given thanks at harvest. It's a human thing. In recent centuries, there are national Thanksgiving traditions, American Thanksgiving, Canadian Thanksgiving. In the UK, the traditions are even more clearly linked to the bringing in of the harvest, reaching back to Britain traditions called Lammas. In Korea, there's Chuseok. We used to celebrate that a good bit at the seminary because of our Korean students there. It's a harvest festival around the full moon. In Southeast Asia, there's Pongal, a celebration of the rice harvest. And in Ghana, there's thanksgiving for the harvest of yams. Celebrating harvest and giving thanks are an experience around the world and over time where religions and traditions converge. What feels different distinct about Sukkot isn't the harvest part. It's this booth part. Celebrate harvest and celebrate your years in the desert. When the crops come in, enjoy the bounty. Rejoice. Take days off a double Sabbath. Do no work. You've been working hard. Feast and give thanks for the abundance that surrounds you and fills you and build booths. Live in the booths like your ancestors did in the desert. Celebrate the harvest and remember your wilderness wandering. Give thanks to God for God's presence and God's provision and God's love and all of that. Give thanks to God in good times and not so good. The gift of these scriptures is the command, the invitation to build giving thanks into the regular rhythm of our lives, to weave into the warp and weft of life a practice of gratitude, to allow ourselves time, regular time, to experience, enjoy, remember, God's goodness everywhere all the time, and to give thanks, give thanks to God for God is good. God's steadfast love endures forever in good times and not so good. Embracing a regular practice of gratitude isn't just a place where religions and traditions converge, it's also a place where religion and science converge. Over the past couple decades, researchers have conducted studies that again and again have shown connections between well-being physical health, and gratitude. Now, I had heard about these stories, these studies, from Oprah and from the mindfulness teachers that I follow, but I hadn't appreciated the depth and breadth of these scientific studies. In these studies, researchers have found that people who were grateful slept better, were less depressed and tired, were more confident and self-aware, had decreased instances of anxiety and panic attacks, and had lower risk of inflammation. One of the leading researchers in this area has summarized gratitude benefits as including increased self-esteem, enhanced willpower, stronger relationships, deeper spirituality, and boost creativity. Wow. Now I'm not here touting gratitude as a panacea as a quick fix to all that ails us. This is just to say that science is confirming what religious traditions have long known. A regular practice of gratitude, thanksgiving, is good for us and good for the world. It connects us to the goodness in the world and to God's goodness. It is ancient wisdom that we are living out today. In our own traditions here, we regularly give thanks together. Today, we're setting aside a whole worship service for Thanksgiving. And in every worship service, we give thanks. Since COVID began, we've built a time of prayers for Thanksgiving into our time of offering. We give thanks to God in our response to the assurance of grace, in the pastoral prayers, always, always in our music. Our sacrament of communion is also known as eucharist which means thanksgiving part of communion is giving thanks in an embodied way for the real presence of christ in the midst of us and this thursday we'll join with the rest of our nation in giving thanks giving thanks is something we do together regularly and it's something that we can weave into the regular flow of our days you could google and find books and books and books on gratitude practices so I thought I'd cull through that and just offer up three practices here today. And in the universe of spiritual practice, these are about as easy and as refreshing as they come. First, there's the simple practice of setting aside a minute or two each day for daily gratitude. Back at the beginning of the year, around New Year's resolution time, I did a good bit of reading on how to build good habits. And one of the techniques researchers suggest is linking the new thing you want to do to something you're already doing in your day. You link good habits. You brush your teeth every morning. You wanna add a prayer of gratitude to your day, so say a word of thanks as you brush your teeth. Link habits. It works. The most obvious opportunities for linking gratitude are probably waking up and going to bed. When you rise in the morning, Name one thing for which you are grateful. It could be just this. God, thank you for giving me another day. Or at night, as you go to bed, reflect back on the day and name the experiences for which you are grateful. Or there's always mealtime. We're almost already hardwired for that from childhood to say grace at the meal Um, Pick that practice up again. You'll be surprised how it's there laying dormant right before a meal. In that moment when the meal is ready, when you've done all the work and you sit down and you settle in, take a deep breath and give thanks and enjoy. Waking, eating, sleeping, we are already doing those things. They frame our day. Why not add a word of thanks to something we are already doing? A second practice is writing your gratitude down, keeping a gratitude journal. I bet you've heard of that idea. The benefit of writing gratitude down is that you can see patterns over time. You effectively write your own book of blessings. And then a third practice, say thank you. Every chance you get thank you, whether it's a spoken thank you or a thank you note like we wrote with the kids this morning, say thank you. This is something I learned particularly from Janie Spar. Everywhere I've traveled with her, she packs a thank you gift, sometimes even pays for an additional bag to bring it along. And I have traveled with Janie in good times, and believe me, not so good. But she's always all about, and now it's time to say thank you. Now I should say a couple things. Don't beat yourself up about those practices, please. Gratitude is a blessing, not a chore. If you set an intention to offer daily gratitude and you miss three days, that just means that when you settle in next time, you'll have three days of things to be thankful for. And even more importantly, and please listen to this, I should clarify what I am not saying. I am not saying that we should force gratitude when we don't feel it. I'm not saying that we are or should be thankful for things that are bad, for things that hurt, or for suffering. I'm not pointing us to gratitude as a way of pretending that bad things aren't really bad. I hope we know each other well enough that you know how important I think it is to say that bad things are just plain bad. Our hurt hurts. Naming our hurt And seeing the hurt of others is an essential step toward healing. No, a practice of gratitude isn't about denial or pretending. It's more about the both and of life honoring our experience of both the good and the bad but not letting the bad overwhelm us not letting it be the only story we tell it's about keeping our hearts open to experience the good to name the good god's love and goodness always with us in the midst of harvest and feast and in the desert places give thanks to god for god is good God's steadfast love endures forever god is near all the time everywhere in good times and not so good gratitude is after all a response and that's really the heart of it gratitude is our response to grace gratitude is what comes next right after grace abounds God overflows with grace from the first moment of creation. I read somewhere um, that the the first thing a human being does is to breathe in the blessing, the gift of life. God overflows with grace all the way till now. All God's good gifts, life and breath and love and every bit of creation around us, grace abounds. We receive the gift and what we feel in our bones is gratitude. Gratitude. Karl Barth put it like this, grace and gratitude belong together like heaven and earth. Grace evokes gratitude like the voice, an echo. Gratitude follows grace like thunder, the lightning. Grace is an emotion, something we experience. Gratitude is an emotion, something we experience and feel and lived out. It also becomes an action, an ethos, an ethic, a way of life, a life of gratitude. Now, there's one way way of thinking about grace and gratitude that's kind of like that call and response we did in the psalm. God sends grace, and we speak back gratitude, a back and forth between us and God. This week, I ran across an image even more powerful than that. It's in Diana Butler Bass's book, Grateful, and she envisions it like a circle. Grace is like a pebble dropped in a pond. Gratitude is the set of ripples that radiate outward, spreading that gift of grace further and further. Each gift of kindness, a drop of grace radiating out, blessing the next person and the next blessing the whole world in this circle of gratitude and grace. In the stories of our tradition, the people were in slavery and God brought them up out into freedom and God said, remember and give thanks. They wandered in the desert a hard life. And along the way, God nourished them with water from the rock and manna in the morning. And God said, remember and give thanks. And when we were most in need, God came to us in Jesus Christ full of healing and wisdom and life, saving us from everything that does us harm. The word became flesh and dwelt in us full of grace and truth. And we remember and give thanks. Give thanks to God. For God is good. God's steadfast love endures forever. In saying that, in living that out, we help to make it so.